Hello, and welcome to Assurity's Focus on Voluntary Benefits. I'm your host, Matt. Today, we're concluding our second year speaking to Eastbridge Consulting Group about the state of the voluntary benefits industry by welcoming back their president, Nick Rockwell. Nick joined Eastbridge in 2016 and has led consulting projects for insurance and non-insurance clients alike. He's also a frequent contributor to industry events and Benefits Pro. We were lucky enough to have him on the show for the first time last year to discuss enrollment strategies, and now he's back to shed new light on positioning for the upcoming season. It's been an unprecedented 18 months, and a lot has changed since we last spoke, so we're excited to hear the latest from Nick and Eastbridge. Nick, great to have you returning to the show, and uh, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for uh, for having us on and, and putting these uh, conversations out into the market because uh, we need them. We all need to be talking and communicating with all the change that's going on in our industry. Absolutely. And it's truly our pleasure to uh, to host you and the rest of the, the uh, Eastbridge crew there. So let's, let's get into the conversation for today and uh, let's talk about benefits in 2021. Do you think that employers are approaching benefits differently this year? And uh, what are your thoughts as to how this year's enrollment season might be different from it's been in the past? Yeah, you know, the whole, the, the whole market was changing rapidly before and COVID has obviously changed every industry uh, out there. And, and this one is, is no different. And I'm sure we'll, we'll hit on some of the unique uh, things um, particular to benefits. But, you know, in getting into that question, the first thing that comes to mind, it, it actually looks at the, the broker level uh, first. And, and it's just a first quick peek at last year, right, in terms of outcomes. So we did a broker, broker survey, as we always do in the spring. And we found that about one third of enrollment, uh, one third of, of brokers rather, saw enrollment activity decrease, while another third saw it increase. So I think the reality is that some were better prepared than others for the changes that everybody faced, right? And uh, just as some carriers were better prepared to pivot than others. That's very similar to the metrics you would see looking at carrier sales from last year. Overall, the industry uh, was down. Um, but when you peel the onion and you look at it, you realize, well, the reality is a lot of the carriers at the top end of the market that produce some of the most NBAP did have an off year, but many others had banner years. Um, so there's there's a lot of stories that need to be looked at, at at sort of the micro level, and I think that was one of the big tales coming out of out of last year. So as we look forward to this year, and, and obviously we're kind of in the throes of decision making and getting into enrollment season, I think for many brokers. You know, the first win is, is going to be just getting back to addressing what new programs might make uh, make sense for a given group. We know that last year, one of the big challenges was was quote activity. So I mean, you could look at uh, broker interest in any involuntary employer employee, and I think broker interest remained the same, but it was the employer ability to weed through the myriad of HR challenges that, that COVID and, and just the whole world was facing last year in order to install new programs. So it was that quoting level that, that really had a challenge. Implementations and enrollments, uh, I think, were, were a mixed bag. Some were very good, better than others, and um, and uh, others not so good. But but we know the quote activity really did seem to to suffer. Uh, and then, you know, this year, once we're actually past that, right, that's the case, kind of more the case selection of product, if you will, uh, and we're into the uh, enrollment um, and, and implementation phase. You know, hopefully the first thing that will happen this year is things will just be less chaotic. Um, you know, For years, we've been talking about 
getting more strategic at the implementation level. You know, for so many brokers that are that make up the sales of, of voluntary benefits, it's not their bread and butter. Employer paid products were their bread and butter. So getting that structure uh, right and, and, and built out the right way is um, something that has been a, a definite learning curve for many. And then you throw something like we all experienced into it last year that, uh, you know, I think a lot of uh, the structure and, and strategic nature that we might wish for or aim for was, was lost. So hopefully we can get back to, to just seeing uh, some of that get back on board um, as a, as an overall new, uh, new direction, um, and level setting. I mean, I think in general, we're going to see that the industry bounce back, but we can see sales numbers bounce back just simply from that case level, um, um, you know, quoting level picking back up. Now we really have to think about, you know, how do we get the right, uh, implementation strategies adopted and then ultimately, uh, execute on those for implement, uh, implementation participation. Some, uh, yeah, big, big issues are going to be facing some people going this year, but I think we all share your hope that it'll be a little bit less chaotic. Sure. So with that change, uh, that, that theme of change, and uh, you mentioned some of the HR challenges that employers are facing or have been facing. Um, how have you seen employers change their employee benefit strategies over the past year in response to some of these challenges? Yeah, you know, I, I, if I'm being perfectly honest out of, out of the gate, you know, my biggest fear is that I think everybody started the year with this sort of attitude of, okay, well, you know, this year we're just going to change everything, COVID's over and all that kind of stuff. And look, the reality is, as the year's gone on, we know that many metrics have picked back up, but we also know that the world isn't necessarily back to where it was. And, and what that means is a continued array of distractions for people. So, you know, in my cautiously optimistic view about uh, everything, I think very much on the optimism side is that employers know these products are more valuable than ever. Uh, I think I, brokers truly do. And I think employees are coming around to that when they get the opportunity to, to be appropriately educated about them. But I do have a, a bit of a fear that this isn't the year we're going to see uh, the mountains of change. Um, you know, last year was tough on the industry. Uh, we suffered from that lack of quote volume. I think that uh, the re-enrollments uh, and, and anybody who did get a chance to, to launch new products uh, maybe did see strong participation, but there are many corners of the industry that um, uh, that were really just looking to pick up on those factors. So, you know, my my take on things is that uh, I think you're going to find a lot of employers coming back to this and kind of recognizing the value in a different way, but you are still going to have many corners that are facing a, a whole host of, of um, uh, you know, really uh, true employer level uh, issues that uh, maybe transcend some of the voluntary things that they'd like to do and that we'd like to, to see them doing. Um, so I, I think a lot of the status, the strategies uh, that are going to change are going to revolve around education, getting people more understanding. I think there's a lot of technologies that are surfacing in the last year, uh, different approaches to benefit communication that, uh, that I think are very promising. Um, but we're still, we're, you know, we're still having to wade through, I think, a lot of that distraction in the industry and, and just need to be cautiously optimistic and understanding that um, you know, trying to get everybody into a, 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 the full strategic view that we were working on years ago, just in our kind of uh, first year back here may take a little bit of time. So sticking on the topics of employers and uh, all the distractions, as you said, that are uh, facing them right now, what do you see as their uh, current priorities in regard to uh, voluntary benefits? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, uh, the good news when it comes to the priorities of, of the HR community is that, you know, we're seeing more and more that people really recognize that these products are there for life's unknowns. 
right? Um, and nothing demonstrated that more uh, than last year. And I think the opportunity for people to uh, look at these in a different light, um, you know, particularly that HR suite that um, in the past, I think many were still very skeptical. Uh, and there's a, there's a pretty decent contingent of that community. They're skeptical that these aren't just products that maybe people buy, but do they use? Do they remember they have them, et cetera? And, um, you know, statistics aside and not getting into um, you know, increases related to COVID or anything like that, from a, from just a general uh, perspective, we know that everybody experienced a huge unknown last year, and there was a lot of medical impact, healthcare impact from that. And I think that's something that is going to uh, translate um, uh, into this and, and affect priorities around uh, education because that still remains at the employee level just that most crucial. Um, piece of the equation is helping people understand that when they hear accident product, right, or critical illness product, that their gut reaction isn't, oh, I already have health insurance, I'm good, right? That they recognize that that's, yeah, separate issues, right? You, you know, where they address different problems, they work very well together and, and should be uh, um, implemented together and should be, con- you know, one should have a consideration for the other and more features and, 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 and writers, et cetera. Uh, a lot of that to do, but that getting that consumer view to, to look different. So, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I am hopeful that a year like last year for the HR suite that has really been able to come back and say, you know, these programs, we need to look at all of these programs to round out the gaps in people's lives. They recognize that uh, education issue in a different way and that we just all experience something that should be a driving, a driving reason to focus on these programs. I think that's a that's a great point, and it really aligns with what we've seen across the board. Just much more interest of uh, insur- in insurance of all kinds from employers and employees alike. So I think that actually uh, makes it for a phenomenal segue into our into our next topic here. Uh, many of us in the worksite benefit market have been saying for years that uh, our products aren't supplemental, as uh, the, the name suggests, but essential, and uh, really need to be a part of an employer's overall benefit plan. So with COVID putting that spotlight, as you mentioned, on benefits and uh, the out-of-pocket costs that are continuing to create real financial issues uh, for employees, it feels like the message is uh, finally starting to get out there. Uh, So do you expect employers and employees to be more enthusiastic about voluntary benefits as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, yeah, we, we definitely do, right? I mean, uh, you know, for all, a lot of the reasons that, that I was just talking through there. But, you know, the first piece of that evidence, uh, evidence-wise that I would point to is we did a, a survey of employers to try and get at that very topic. Um, at, you know, what, what, where does voluntary fit amidst COVID? And it was, you know, sort of during the throes of everything last year. But one of the most interesting data points that came out of it was that many expected higher, I mean, a very large percentage expected higher participation from the employees. And, you know, you can read a lot of different things from data, but that clearly tells you that the respondents are looking at the products and, and connecting the dots, right, appropriately and say, hey, people must be thinking this, that that individual mind frame must be thinking that, you know, gosh, I, I, I don't know where all my blind spots are in life. And this is everything that we're all experiencing as a, as a, as a, a really global community right now tells us that. So, you know, I, I do think that, um, um, this is, is this a really good way to look at it, that it's not just a, a supplemental type of thing, but it really is essential to, to protecting yourself. Um, at the end of the day, that's, that's really something that should, should start to take root more and more. And if you think about, you know, our, this industry, 
that really is a unique thing that every industry was impacted in some way, right? But this industry in particular has the ability to reflect on that impact in a way that says, you know, that was really kind of proof positive, right? That we need to be thinking about uh, things that can, can fill gaps and, 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 and uh, play, um, play to where people's blind spots are. So, you know, we absolutely believe that um, the industry is, is, um, is uh, going to going to turn around. There's just so many different layers to it that I think this year uh, we're going to see a lot of that quote volume, a lot of um, different technologies being uh, implemented. I think there's just a lot of other kind of strategic planning factors and it's really that details basis that I wonder if it isn't going to take a little bit more time for everybody to get back to um, really focusing on and, and, and um, uh, implementing that really just leads to uh, you know, the next out years, um, being, being really banner years for the industry. So as a result of this increased consumer appetite, uh, are more brokers proactively selling voluntary products? Absolutely. Um, you know, we definitely have seen over the years, uh, brokers, uh, really steadily growing, um, their introduction of voluntary benefit sales. Um, you know, most used to use this as a kind of a cross-selling, um, you know, way to talk to existing clients, uh, people that they already knew, and uh, maybe as an add-on also ran type of type of conversation. And now we're seeing that move much more towards a, a strategic discussion. Uh, one where people are even using this to open doors and, and, um, uh, introduce to, to new clients, uh, as a part of a, uh, a, a of a new uh, new case sale, um, so we've seen that change more and more uh, over over the years. And this year, um, you know, we see a pretty steady stair step uh, uh, in the right direction um, with all of that. So we see people making this much more a part of their day to day conversation rather than sort of a, an afterthought. And you see that in, in terms of where carriers are seeing quote volume, which parts of the year these conversations are having, where the selling season uh, begins and ends and um, um, brokers are, are definitely continuing to look at these products uh, in a different light. Well, it's great to see voluntary just making up a, a bigger part of the broker's everyday business. That's a, a very encouraging sign for the industry. So let's move on and talk about uh, enrollment itself. Uh, big question, and I'm sure a lot of our audience is, is very eager to hear about it. Um, but the pandemic obviously impacted how plans enroll. And uh, we've talked with uh, Ginger and Bonnie in some of our, our past episodes here about uh, how it pushed brokers to online and self-service methods of enrollment. Uh, is that a trend that you envision continuing? And uh, have employer expectations of brokers changed as a result uh, since the start of the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great topic. So, you know, I think employers are definitely waking up to the fact that this is this this concept of voluntary programming is not just about the products. The reality is for all the the importance of product features and, and benefits, uh, when a carrier is selected and a specific program is installed, the billing, the claims administration, etc., you know, are are what the employer is actually going to live with month after month, right? So this has to be something where an employer now expects more and more. Uh, and has uh, uh, you know confidence that the brokers uh, has confidence in all aspects of, of programming, and that is going to include vetting carriers. That's also to include you know vetting out other technology and, and support beyond that. 
Now, the impact moving to self-service and online methods has had on participation. You know, the data we have suggests that self-service has increased over time. Uh, this is this it has really been something of a, of a pendulum swing with lower participation numbers um, compared to other methods in early years of that approach, right? But growth uh, in, in recent time. So you can probably attribute a number of factors to that. You know, over the years, we've tried to introduce as an industry more and more educational tools that would uh, replace the fact that in a self-service, we're not getting that access for education to the employee to address things and try and have that either face-to-face or group meetings or, or other tools that are still definitely used in many circles, but don't have the widespread uh, use that they used to. Um, we've seen everything from videos used, right, to, uh, you know, uh, more of a question and answer based approach in recent time to kind of leave people thinking that, uh, that we can make a recommendation to them, decision tooling and some of those types of things. And at the end of the day, all of those all of those things have led to self service increasing. I think that one of the things um, we have to be mindful as an industry about, though, is some of those may still leave somebody making a decision that is good for them, uh, ultimately having uh, the protection that they invest in and may very well be a good thing. But do they truly understand it? And that's always been a, a question at the buying level. But I think it's also now possible that in some of these approaches, we have a, a, a buyer uh, who's confident in their decision, but do they really understand when the benefit's going to be applicable, right? Do they know when to draw on it? Is it something that they remember um, when when the time is, is necessary and needed? Those are all the, the other sides of this, that a true education, a true understanding of, of what I've bought and all the instances in which it might be uh, needed, um, or is there some sort of trigger uh, to, to drive me back to that? So I think a lot of those um, are, are some of the new factors uh, that we're facing is that we have been able to make self-service enrollment something that the participation is coming back up, but there's you know all kinds of other uh, factors piling on to what might be generating increased participation over time. We have to continue to look through that lens of what if we could really get everybody to understand truly the application, the gap that they're going to experience because we see all the time you know inside a group you know, you group with very similar demographics, um, income, all those different factors, but, but you have certain people buying and not others, you know, you have really every uh, reason that you'd see similar purchases, but ultimately it boils down to that, that human nature. And there could be reasons inside that. And one of which still is just that, that true understanding of, of where their blind spots are. It's really illustrative of the uh, continued need for educational tools, especially for these virtual or self-service enrollments. Uh, that's something that I know we at Surety have been very focused on over this last year is just providing those to our, our, our brokers. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, participation there, and that's something I want to briefly talk about. Uh, I think you alluded to the fact that it's, it's gone up, but uh, what impact has moving to self-service and online methods had on enrollment participation? The original impact was was not great. You know, years ago, um, when you first started hearing about people just kind of checking the box on things, um, uh, their own as, as voluntary was becoming a, a more widespread um, a, a 
part of the, the benefits offering, uh, you were really in a lot of instances left to app taker type situations, right? Situations where the, I mean, I remember 15, 16 years ago, and I would see some of our, my then companies, voluntary benefits that they were rolling out. It was literally sort of like a, a, a radio button, right? It was online because we were a big enough company, but it was a radio button. And I'm looking around going, where's, what, what is the problem? What's like, I don't even know what this is. You know, you're, you're giving me a, an option to choose from with some pricing and it's got a name here, but I just chose the medical and aren't I? aren't I good? And uh, you know, since then, leap forward now, you've got huge advancements in how the products can be presented, but you also have dozens and scores of companies uh, in this space uh, in that benefit, benefit administration enrollment uh, election taking environment, whether it be a, uh, you know, a true a broker with a homegrown system who really focuses on, on that uh, or, you know, HRIS system uh, who's, who's added to this to more their employer suite or a payroll uh, system to that, or a true, uh, you know, kind of a, a true more employee centric system that was born out of the idea of let's make self-service uh, enrollment better. And then now you even have overlays, uh, you know, products that, aren't the true metamin system. You can't call them that. Um, they are a, a different tool that is not trying to compete with the uh, installation of those services, but they're meant to enhance them, right? Something that can be plugged in and um, applied at that product level to uh, create better education. And many of those are, are, are too new to point, you know, for me to point to and say, you know, yeah, they're, they're wildly reshaping participation. But I think all of them just intuitively are aimed at um, you know, better decision support, better understanding, whether it be uh, video tools and those types of things. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think some of the the things that are are still so important that get missed with all of these different tools, and it's particularly important in a self service enrollment, is just the working conditions in general, the overall structure of uh, a benefit rollout that an employer and uh, the broker are deciding on. And oftentimes there, it, it's, it's, we're very, you know, we see the, the case gets sold and it was a very feature creature. It was a very product centric uh, sale. And then later as we're getting an implementation, maybe some of those conditions are, are being uh, tackled. Uh, I'll give you an example, uh, something like an active election. You know, getting an employer to agree to a situation where the benefits being offered have some sort of active election or declination to them. Well, that, anybody who's gone through an enrollment like that, implemented an enrollment like that, has probably enjoyed enjoyed wildly different results from it because when you ask somebody to make uh, an election um, and, and you kind of force that decision or really want them to go on the record of saying yes or no, it changes the mindset, right? It changes the thinking. But the reality with that um, is it needs to be talked about earlier in the year. You know, I, I think that's one that for my money, I would say, have that conversation before you choose products. Let's talk about the structure uh, of how we're going to engage open enrollment this year, Mr. and Mrs. Employer, and then we'll get in uh, to the products because regardless of which products we choose, we should be looking at the value of how we educate about them. But what seems to happen more often than not is those conversations get had right as we're getting into implementation and there might be uh, more people that need to weigh in on the bed admin systems need to come in. You know, there's other, there's other conversations there that, uh, that we could have been having uh, sooner. So, you know, when it comes to self-service for me, you know, if you want to have success with that, having some of those dialogues before product selection earlier in the year, when we're framing it more strategically 
um, is is an important thing, um, and we've seen that play out a lot with uh, you know some of the rise in, in self service enrollment increasing. So so very much rides on uh, communication in a lot of these situations. And it, it almost goes without saying that uh, with a decent portion of the workforce uh, now working remotely, uh, there's an almost stronger need for communication in these, these circumstances. So uh, do you think that Ben Admin technology is going to be more of a priority for employers, uh, particularly smaller employers, uh, in upcoming enrollments uh, compared to how it has been in the past? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that, that trend in this direction, uh, I think, for groups now of all sizes, right? So, I mean, the Ben Admin conversation for years has, has been that started with the very, you know, really the largest groups uh, getting access and it's, it's gone down market over time. And, and I think you can, you can find options at any, at any end of the market now, um, uh, depending on uh, really how you want to, you want to tackle it and, and what, what pieces of technology you're looking for uh, from it. Is it just the enrollment portion or there are other pieces? There's, there's vendors for all of that at, at all ends of the market. But I think, it, it, you know, the other factor in all of this that I think is going to be new because employers have been making these investments, right? They've been making these decisions. Um, I think one of the things that, that we'll hopefully see continue to increase is leveraging kind of the totality of those systems. So I, mean, I think there's still a lot of trends and I imagine a lot of the, the our friends in the Ben Admin community would say, you know, they can do more than maybe their clients, uh, you know, they offer more and have more in technology than oftentimes their, their clients even utilize. You know, maybe there's communication tools inside uh, the, the bed admin system, but we're still doing communication outside of it and it's, it's not as effective. Things like that. So I, mean, I think that's going to be more one of the trends, not, not so much that uh, there's more adoption because I think the adoption has its own trajectory uh, and has had for a while. It's kind of a question of how deep do we leverage something, right? It's, it's, it's still not uncommon to find somebody who has disparate systems. Maybe they've got a payroll system and there's, there's bed admin capability and then they get into a separate bed admin system and there's maybe a patchwork going on. Um, you know, early, you know, as we go through this, I think, I think, I like to think that you'll see a little bit more cohesive approach with some of those things that mean we, we leverage uh, the, the tools better uh, and communicate the benefits better. So with all these different options, the, the patchwork, as you, as you just mentioned, uh, are employers looking for brokers or the carrier to bring these uh, Ben Admins technology solutions to the table? Or are they uh, more so looking to, to work within the systems they already have? Yeah, you know, that's such, that's such a good question because, I, 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 you know, I remember four or five years ago at, at some uh, of the industry events having discussions with different groups of brokers and, and talking about the technology that's coming into the industry and having, you know, at least a number of people say, well, you know, I focus on the products. I don't focus on the technology. And we used to kind of have that attitude and what started to happen, that's obviously not, not a through and through, but it was enough that you kind of had this 10, you know, this, this for a while, a, a, a sense that um, the, the, the brokers were still really focused on the programs that would be deployed from the technologies being looked at. And, and in many instances, the employers were making those decisions on their own, um, for a, a lot of their own rationale. And now, you know, what's happened is most of those systems, they have a, a, a carrier, a de facto kind of carrier list, right, uh, of, of companies that they work with. And, you know, so our attitude with brokers has been, well, if we're not a part of that technology conversation, you may be left with a, a technology that doesn't have 
uh, immediate access to the carriers that you do business with. And that puts you in a spot where you need to either try to add them, which obviously can be done. But, um, you know, more and more, there's this question of, well, we already have access to 10, 15 vendors. Can we choose a vendor from from that? So I, mean, I think carriers certainly have adopted, or I know that's what we work with people on, is adopting a strategy to, to make sure you're playing with the right technology uh, uh, entities out there for, for your, your block of distribution. But, you know, that really does, again, assume that brokers are having that kind of um, strategic um, view themselves and looking at either as an agency or, or a regional part of an agency at what what tools make the most sense for my clients and do I have the appropriate um, relationships with them. And, and I do think... Um, I think employers are absolutely looking for the broker role to expand relative to voluntary. You know, we have, uh, I've, I've held the contention for a while that employers are the gatekeepers to voluntary, but I think their understanding of the products themselves, their understanding of where everything you know, stops and starts, I think a lot of times that education isn't where it deserves to be for them. Right, and you know, some could could say even even in the broker community, if if, if I'm an agency that focuses mostly on employer paid uh, products, um, so you know, having those relationships, uh, whether it be brokers with with other you know, specialist types of brokers that can be partners, or you know, through, you know, finding those sources of information where I can fill in those gaps um, to make make sure that my advice and counsel to my clients goes beyond just product selection, kind of going back to what I was saying before that, you know, from our perspective, having that true, you know, the the benefits of voluntary benefits discussion up front, right, to get people on board with, you know, before we choose uh, critical illness or identity protection or student loan reimbursement, like getting them on board with the idea of we need to communicate these, we need to make sure people understand where they're going to be protected, we need to set some goals together, and then getting into it, uh, the products, I, I think is just a more consultative approach, you know, leading with products and, and, and leading into carrier selection uh, right out of the gate, a lot of times I think sets everybody up for a more tactical approach than than a strategic one. And I think uh, employers may not quite look at it from that lens, but I think ultimately now they're in a place where they're saying, gosh, this is a big part of the decisions that I'm making and the decisions uh, uh, you know, for my employees. And I, I, need all, I need all the advice I can get on all facets of, of implementation. And it is so important for brokers to fill that uh, consultative or advisory role. Um, and there are a lot of ways that they can, they can really uh, help employers uh, so what are some of the, the ways that brokers can help shape benefits education and communication? Uh, for instance, uh, tools or materials that employers are, are asking for are helpful in this uh, circumstance. I, I think leveraging everything that we have, um, um, you know, that's really evidence itself in the market today is, is, is great. You, you know, in one category, you might have uh, a, a, a true communication campaign, right? So we've selected a certain number of benefits going up to open enrollment. How can we put that carrier's message uh, and a story around the necessity and, and value of investing in those programs in order to meet that understanding component, right? Um, that's sort of, you know, one category and it, it's it's always been there, um, but it's it's one that's gotten a little bit more fanfare in recent years and is, is making a little bit more uh, I think progress. Technology helps with that, the ability to deploy those messages in different ways and on different uh, cadences and, and that kind of thing. And another category, I think you have more of the decision support 
support tools, you know, the types of things that can be deployed actually when somebody's electing. So I'm in the process of election. It's not a pre-enrollment communication. And in those, you know, you certainly could, again, have things that just describe uh, value and in, 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 in the problem-solving component of the product. We also have seen some other approaches over the years in those tools that look at a series of kind of a question-and-answer-based approach, right? So, you know, is this meaningful to you? Do you have this or, or demographics uh, for that matter? And I think there are some some entities and companies that are doing a better job of, of taking that to the next level now. But they are two different things because in some of those decision-making tools, again, one of the issues might be that I, I provide some information, I get maybe a recommendation back in some way, and I, and I, and I go with that recommendation based on, based on trust, right? Based on the belief that this is good. But do I still understand it? Uh, because the understanding is one of the big, uh, you know, keys here to, uh, uh, you know, the utilization ultimately of it. Uh, you've got the conversation around um, medical claims integration and other things trying to impact uh, that conversation as well. As, you know, can we help connect the dots for people? Uh, and a lot of that boils back. You know, we don't even have that conversation going if uh, if, if it was necessary. Right. Uh, if it wasn't necessary, I guess I should say at the end of the day. And the, the ultimate answer there is that people need to really understand when they can take advantage of these products. And I just think some of these different approaches do a better job than others. Some might impact participation uh, more positively, but the true understanding factor um, is still a different one. But those are two kind of different, uh, you know, pieces of the equation. You know, there are also a number of carriers that have, uh, in recent years, you know, done a, done a better job of, of continuing to educate post sale, help people understand, you know, the, the, the relationship they have with them, trying to build that kind of lifetime relationship um, um, with the with the consumer. And, and, and that aids um, the kind of reinforcement of purchase and um, that type of thing. But I think, uh, you know, having a solid plan up front that, that is holistic uh, is the first piece and, and using those tools is great, but it's, it's incredible with some of these different conditions, you know, sequencing, uh, if we really are, are leveraging one pro in one program more, more in one year, because we think it's important. It's its first year being launched, having that up front, uh, not necessarily putting, you know, new programs at the end, uh, of a sequence when people might, you know, not, not make it all the way to, to observing, uh, what's, what's being offered to them. And then that, again, going back to that active declination or election process, is, is an incredible one. There's different ways to do it, and, and there's different uh, opinions on on on, on um, um, you know how, how to structure it. But ultimately, the efficacy in, in kind of going down those paths uh, is typically very positive in, in getting people to try to understand things more, to make a, a more overt election. I think that's uh, some phenomenal advice that uh, brokers can really use this enrollment season. Is there anything else that you would tell them uh, if they're trying to help their clients' employees engage with the benefits or they're trying to increase employee participation in these enrollments? Uh, what, what would you say to, to the bro these brokers to, to help them out there? I think the main thing I would encourage uh, or even maybe challenge uh, a little bit is that, you know, it feels like we should focus more on participation. Um, you know, participation is so often a carrier metric alone, 
um, that carriers you know, are concerned about it for a variety of reasons. Um, and, you know, it's put out there a lot of times, right? You have this minimum, you know, like, like it's some sort of a standard or, or simply a stipulation uh, of the programming. But, you know, for my part, we should be encouraging them to look at it as a sign of a job well done, right? Of a well executed plan. Um, you know, what benefit program is really worth rolling out if only 5% of your group needs it? And, and that's what we are saying when we yield that kind of take rate and don't try to increase it over time or try to do better with the next launch uh, and, and ask the question of what's the industry uh, standard for participation in this program? How, how can we get better than industry standard? Um, because that metric is one that speaks to how protected is my population, right? And, and I, I think... You know, the, the, the opposite view to that would be, well, you know, I, I don't want to focus, you know, if an employer, maybe a broker concern that if focusing on participation focuses too much on, on selling or something like that. I, I don't think so at all. You know, these products are not chosen because three, four, five percent of the population needs them. They're chosen with the belief that many would benefit from them. So I think having that as a goal up front uh, through the right lens under the right, um, uh, you know, under the right focus uh, can help build better guardrails and build better, uh, a better approach together and, and get everybody on the, really on the same, um, same side of things. And again, I think it, it, it's possible that a big part of that community of the gatekeeper community uh, has only, has mostly heard of that concept through the lens of minimums. Like it's something just to, to barely meet or I need to meet it uh, for fear that the program won't, won't move forward rather than a, Hey, let's, let's knock it out of the park and make sure that we have as many people uh, protected as possible. I think that's uh, that's great advice. You've uh, you've given me a lot to think about here and I'm sure you'll, you'll give our audience a lot to think about as well. when they, when they listen to this. Uh, so it's been, it's been great having you on the show, Nick, do you have any uh, parting words for, for our audience? If there's anything that you'd, you'd like to leave them to take away from this conversation? Yeah, you know, I touched on it um, just a little bit. I mean, I think that the last thought would be that, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I know uh, that brokers are faced more and more all the time with a more dynamic role, right? All the time we're being asked to do more. We have to understand more product categories, right? I mean, it used to be a handful of categories of voluntary. Now there's, there's uh, a dozen plus. Um, and the reality is um, that's a lot. And you add the technology and the implementation and all those types of things. And, you know, I, I, you know, we have the luxury of looking at the industry from uh, the vantage point where we see all the different players and get to learn all about the different businesses and, and approaches that people have. And there are still a lot of uh, entities in the distribution world. I don't want to paint anybody with too specific a lens, but a lot of different entities that are there for partnership that are there to help uh, an individual broker or an agency at large uh, do better with voluntary um, through through partnership and and not necessarily competition. You know, they might look like another broker, but uh, we see a lot of people having success with that. So I, mean, I guess the, the point there is you don't have to be an expert in everything. And then, you know, lastly with that, you know, the you know a lot of our carrier data uh, around participation um, uh, specifically uh, suggests that, you know, from a carrier's perspective, 
the brokers and employers don't necessarily always, you know, it doesn't feel that they, they're taking advantage of everything the carriers are willing to do from an education standpoint. And there's probably obvious reasons why, again, that's selling and we, we can't overdo it too much. But I just encourage them to really leverage because I know, you know, carriers being the majority of our clients, um, we know how much you're willing to do, right? How many of the tools you have there, how you're willing to really help structure that and, uh, you know, leveraging your partners, right? Developing the right partnerships and leveraging it. I think uh, there's no better time than that. Um, so you don't have to go it alone. Yes is, is the final word there. I think that's uh, about about as close to the heart of it as you can and uh, close to the, the heart of insurance as well, uh, that we're, we're all in this together and uh, sometimes partnership is the best way to go. Honestly, Nick, thank you so, so much for your time today. It's been a great conversation. I think you've, you've given our audience uh, a lot to, to think about and help them going into this upcoming enrollment season. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having us and uh, best of luck to everybody going through the end of the year there. Thank you. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in to Assurity's focus on voluntary benefits. If you'd like to learn more about Assurity or our voluntary products, you can visit Assurity.com. Uh, you can also email us at podcasts at assurity.com and we'll be happy to connect you with the sales team in your region. If you'd like to learn more about Eastbridge Consulting and their research, you can uh, visit them at eastbridge.com. Thanks for listening. Assurity is a marketing name for the mutual holding company, Assurity Group Incorporated, and its subsidiaries. Those subsidiaries include, but are not limited to, Assurity Life Insurance Company and Assurity Life Insurance Company of New York.